Welcome to Last in Line Podcast, where we are highlighting, showcasing, and spotlighting great leaders of faith who have overcome adversity, cultivated resilience, and served others in a significant capacity. So settle in and be encouraged by this episode of Last in Line Podcast. Deuteronomy 30, verse 5, verse 7 through 9, and verse 19 through 20. The Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies, on them who hate you, who persecuted you. You will return and obey the voice of the Lord and obey all his commandments, which I am commanding you today. The Lord your God will make you prosper in every work of your hand, in the offspring of your body, and in the offspring of your livestock, and in the produce of your land for good. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. So I feel like you should know up front that it's extremely interesting. I find it I find it quite perplexing, in fact, that I can have a perfect, let's just say, perfectly orchestrated outline coming on these podcasts. And by the way, uh, I'm John Shibley, your your host. This is Last in Line Podcast, so welcome. Um, so now, beyond the formalities here and introductions, I got to say, had a perfectly orchestrated outline. Felt like it was maybe even a little bit God-ordained at the time, which it might be, and it might be for, for a later time, another time. But I sit down to record, and I'm thinking about all the guys, all the greats who have gone before me, who are, who are out there doing it on a way bigger scale. And I think about what makes them great. And I try to come on to be as articulate as possible, to illustrate points, to give examples, um, to explain myself in such a way that might impart a little bit of wisdom, knowledge, right? Uh, but I sit down and all of a sudden I have a different idea on what I want to talk about. Well, that kind of throws everything upside down on its head. It kind of gets me a little excited. Okay. I'm, I'm anticipating something great here, hopefully, because I just, flipped it upside down for nothing, if not. So I say all that stuff to say, look, I've been with my manager for two days and and he doesn't like when I call him my boss. And quite frankly, I view him as more of a friend because we've become good friends, but he is my immediate supervisor for all intents and purposes. But we had some really good productivity and I'm in sales. I'm in medical sales. If you're not in sales, this still applies to you because you're attempting to have some sort of influence. You're attempting to impact someone's behavior. You're attempting to 
translate the passion you have for something to another person so that they can buy in with you and get on board and execute a plan or execute a particular uh, action toward a goal. Okay. It, that it includes everybody then. So even if you're not in sales, it includes you, but I'm in sales, medical sales. And some days you don't get to really see a whole lot of customers. And if you do see, you don't have some really productive conversation. But the last two days with my manager, which is very timely because that comes in handy to have those great customer interactions when your boss is standing next to you. And I hope he doesn't listen to this because I just called him my boss. But the guy I work with who happens to sign off on my performance reviews and approve my raises, that guy. Uh, So we had some productive interaction with customers. And tonight I want to talk to you about What's made me successful at having that kind of influence? Now, I have to walk a very thin line here. It's a slippery slope between explaining my credibility and sounding like I know everything about sales or about whatever I'm talking about. I think you know me by now well enough to know that I don't think I know hardly anything as well as I should. Um, And I certainly have more to learn. But when it comes to a corporate environment, specifically sales, having influence with customers, directing behavior, communicating a message that changes behavior in the direction of the product I sell in a good way, like I've done okay. I've been in medical sales for 16 years. I've been in sales and leadership in other industry for another 10 of that and change, I guess, another 12. But specifically for the sales I'm in now, I'm talking to high-level thinkers, highly successful people, the healthcare professionals that are out there, neurologists, immunologists, doctors who think on a high level, treat on a high level, diagnose on a high level, provide care on a high level. And so I got to be on my game because they don't have time for small talk. While I managed by now to have good relationships to where we really do have a lot of small talk because we've connected on a good level, but I had to build that credibility first and had to earn their trust. You all know that that sales one one is earning trust, right? Being knowledgeable enough, earning trust and doing what you say you're going to do. Okay. So without giving all the answers to the test away, I got three keys here. I don't even know that I have a name for this episode, to be honest. Um, I guess I could just call it, having optimal influence. Uh, And the three ways I have written down here, we're going to get to, but they're the three things that I guess I could stand on. And I got to tell you, I've given this a lot of thought. And I will say, I, I probably devoted about 90 seconds to writing this down before I hit record. But that's a good thing. Don't, don't, don't discount this. Don't roll your eyes at that. Don't chalk this up to Shibley has half-heartedly put this together because I haven't. The reason this came to me so quickly is because it's just part of me. It's part of my DNA. It's who I am. Okay. It's not my identity, but it's part of what makes me, me and me good at said job. It, it, it might be even what makes me good at parenting and the times that I might be a decent husband, uh, it helps me be better there. Uh, just interacting with people. And I got news for you. Everybody interacts with people. I don't care what line of work you're in. You're always going to 
have to engage with another person. So what's made me good at it, these are things that are just ingrained in me. And I think some of them, I don't know if some of them are teachable. I don't know if all of them are teachable. I just know that some come naturally and some just get sharper with repetition. And just like what you do for a living every day, you've done it long enough to be really good at it. Or if you're not, you will be because you're doing it. You're getting the right reps. And so you're creating muscle memory. And what I've done is create this muscle memory. So in sales, uh, driving influence, whatever you want to call it, I've had some success. I'm currently ranked mid-year number three in the company. Um, and I've won trips before. I'm in the running for one, but it's a long year. So I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch. And I'm not bragging. Uh, I've been number one in a company. I've been middle of the pack. So in this company, I've been up in the top three or four, and I've been bottom third. So sales is what it is. It's a cyclical environment. You know this if you're in any sort of sale. But I've always stayed true to these three things, and I hope they help you because I think whatever you're doing, it might actually require you to refine these skills or develop the skills or find somebody that is good that you can emulate, take notes, try to try to replicate to the degree that your style fits that particular thing. It's not telling you to be somebody you're not. It's not telling you to be uh, them, another person. In fact, let's just dive right in because that's number one. I've always been pretty genuine. I've always been the genuine, genuine article. I've always been fairly authentic. I'm going to say really authentic because I don't really know any other way to be. I think maybe there have been times in my life where I've tried to be somebody smarter than I am, somebody cooler than I am, somebody that may have accomplished more than I really have accomplished and portray this persona. It doesn't work. So I don't gravitate naturally to being disingenuous and inauthentic. I hope you don't either because it will catch up and you will get exposed and the real you will eventually come out. So I've just decided this is me. Maybe they'll like it. Maybe they won't. Uh, I might be an acquired taste. So my personality is a little different, but I come across, I think, and this might help you to the point, number one, being genuine and authentic. How can you do that? Well, a lot of it comes naturally, but a lot of it, I think, is rooted in the desire to make others feel important in a way where they almost your personality becomes magnetic. And I don't know a great way to say that. I might have just muddied the waters there, but I just know that when I come in, I'm not trying to be something that I'm not. I'm not trying to be somebody that's super important. Customers can see through. They're almost like five-year-olds. Five-year-olds can tell when you're, you're BSing them. Five-year-olds can tell when you're not telling the entire truth or painting the whole picture. Customers can see the same. They say dogs and bees can smell fear. Okay. Jerry Maguire reference, if you're keeping score. Uh, I was bound to have a movie reference at some point here. Maybe not an 80s movie, but we'll get there maybe. Uh, but I got to say, they can smell a fraud from a mile away. And then the minute you lose your credibility and genuineness, 
it's hard to get it back. You can get it back, but it's really hard and it's an uphill battle and they've almost tuned you out at that point. So I find that my first order of business when engaging with a new customer, somebody I've never met is to just be me, just be a person. I come out up front and tell people, I want to be the furthest, the furthest thing from a salesperson. I do not want to be a sales rep. I am not a rep. I want to be different because they're used to people knocking on doors. There's a reason there's a no soliciting sign in the window. They get tired of the same old song and dance from the used car salesman that just because you dress nice uh, and appear to be professional doesn't mean that you've got it all together. And people are tired of being sold. People want to start buying on their own. It needs to be their decision. So to let me in the door and to be receptive to what I have to say about a product or a service, they got to believe in me. So I'm selling myself first, guys. That's what I've learned most about having influence, even in the workplace, even if you're not in sales with people in general, is you've got to be the genuine article and you've got to be upfront about this is me. I'm not trying to be anybody else. And a lot of you listening have gotten sucked into the vacuum of social media. And I, I've been guilty of it. And we're trying to be that next guy that we think is the next influencer. We're trying to borrow from what's made him good. There's nothing wrong with trying to do what is what people are successful at. But I think we've gotten so bogged down in the minutia of being successful and famous and someone with status that we've lost sight of who we truly are. So that goes into a whole separate conversation about identity. Um, but we might talk about that another day. And, and to matter of fact, that was my outline I had before I came on tonight was it was going to be all about identity. And I was going to call it fake ID, you know, be all cute and clever with the title. But this, I believe, has more meat on the bone. Not that identity isn't important, but if you're genuine and you're authentic, they can smell it. And they can sense it and they're bought in to you. So you're selling you first before you sell anything else. Because ultimately, that's the only thing you're accountable for. And that's what you can trust is yourself. And that's what you can control is the actions and the words that come out of you. That's the first one. Just be genuine. Don't try to be somebody else. They'll smell it a mile away. Second one, be empathetic. Empathetic influence is one that sticks. If you want something that's going to actually sink your claws into a particular customer uh, in a good way, not ruthlessly, but something that's going to get you rooted in that account and is going to really open several doors for you to be almost a consultant that they rely on for advice and guidance. You've got to be empathetic to their situation. You've got to understand their need. So you've got to actually care more about them than you do yourself. And, and salespeople, I think, try to come across that way, but it looks like they're trying to come across that way when in, in turn, they're really just out about what they can get and, and they're trying to close a deal. And, I've felt, be honest, felt myself get into that sometimes when I'm trying so hard and I'm getting so 
micromanaging of sales numbers and results and class rankings or stack rankings of my fellow salespeople and where I'm, what my bonus is going to be. And am I going to be in the running for the trip and da, 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 it's all about me. I've gotten into that before where then it comes across in my tone, my demeanor, my body language gets a little anxious, gets a little restless and seems like we're forcing it. They can see that too. That's not being empathetic. That's not understanding their needs. Now, maybe you get what they need and maybe you feel like you've got the perfect solution, but they don't want it to be your idea. They want you to listen. Same with your wife, to be honest. Same with your relationship, your kids. They've got to know you're empathetically listening. And in a genuine nature, back to number one, genuine comes back again, rearing its ugly head. You've got to understand and you've got to be genuinely authentic enough to care about what their real need is. And it may be something beyond the scope of what your product or service can provide a solution for. That's fine. But I think that even builds more credibility when you're asking questions that have nothing to do with anything you have to gain. It's all about them as if you worked in their shoes, as if you were in the boat with them paddling the same direction. So you're trying to find out their situation. You're empathizing. You're understanding. You're gathering information, but they know you're doing it for the right reason. That's important. Because guess what? Then the guard is down. The walls are broken down. You've disarmed any defensiveness from the account because they feel like they're on edge about, oh, the salesman, he's going to swoop in for the deal now. He's coming in. Here he comes. He's landing the plane. He's closing the deal. We take that off the table. When we're empathetically listening, we're engaged, we're talking back to them what they've said to us. So share with them what you just heard them say. Check in with them, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. Without sounding ridiculous, you got to learn some style and salesmanship, how to work that in. But that's genuine. That's empathy. And then they know, okay, this guy's in it for me. Maybe at this point, he's earned the right to tell me about how he can fit into my need, how he can plug his solution into our situation, how he can actually become a value add in cog in our wheel, but we've got to show genuineness and authenticity. And we've got to be empathetic and we've got to listen so that we can disarm the situation. And we've earned the right for them to open the door of the conversation to let us in. Now they want to hear what we have to say. We're credible at this point to a, to a degree. Now you got to be knowledgeable about your product. And that goes without saying, I'm not even putting that in the outline. Let's just dumb it down to bare basics. You got to know your product. You got to know your service and you got to know your customer. But that's number two is empathetically influencing by understanding their situation and listening fully. All right. Number three, and this again, this ties in. It's a great segue. Thank you. You're welcome. Genuine is number one. Empathetic is number two. You got to be number three, sold out to serve. You got to be sold out to follow up with what you've promised, deliver the deliverables. You got to exceed expectations. They say under promise, over deliver, right? That's not just, you know, car salesman 101. That's actually legit. Um, I don't know about the under promise thing. I just think you just over deliver. I think you exceed expectations. You set realistic ones first. 
but then you let them know you're sold out for them because you've just become part of the family with step number two of empathy-based listening. You've just understood their needs and you got in the boat with them. So now you're one of them. So now you're sold out to, to serve them and you're going to follow up. You're going to kill them with uh follow up and you're going to, you're going to deliver more and above what you said you were going to do. You're not going to forget stuff. You're not going to make empty promises and you're going to plug a solution into the, into the need. You're going to be that missing piece of the puzzle for them. And I've done that in this job specifically there's a lot of products that do what ours does. And there's a lot of factors that go into a patient actually getting our therapy to make them better, feel better, live a better life. So me just going in and talking about how great my product is, that just makes me one of about 20 other people that just did it before me. I've got to earn the trust. They've got to believe in me first. They've got to believe that I'm listening to their needs and I can see things within their processes. I can see things within uh, some of their protocols, some of the way that they process paperwork to get patients what they need. And I can find holes in that and I can plug in solutions. I can hear their situation. I can hear their need without them really saying it. And then I can jump in with both feet and follow through follow up, get the right people in place, get the right pieces moving so that this is seamless, that them trying my product is actually not only benefiting the patient, but it's actually providing a service for them and creating synergy in the office, which increases productivity, as you know. So without getting in the weeds on what I do every day and getting super detailed, that's an idea of, look, these people are people. They have lives. Chances are they've got bigger cares and bigger fish to fry when they clock out at five o'clock than what they're doing from eight to five. So you've got to be there for a reason with a purpose on purpose, delivering value. And if they don't trust you and they think you're a salesman and they think you're not listening, but you're just in it for you, you've lost them. You've lost the locker room people. If that's what you're about, they can smell it. So if you're in sales, a lot of this you know, but a lot of you that are thinking you're doing it right may not be. And maybe your performance shows it. Maybe your sales numbers show it. And you're looking for that reason to make a change. You're looking for that answer. Maybe there's one missing piece of the puzzle for you that could make it all, all the dots connect. And you could get traction and influence with that client, that customer. But guys, you got to flip the priorities. It's not about how great your product is. It's not about how great you are. It's not about all the things you stand to gain from closing a deal. I say flip that on its head and do what comes unnatural to most people. Okay? I'll recap this from number one to number three. So first, you got to be genuine. You got to be authentic. Can't come across as a salesman. Be a person. Ask them about their family. Don't start, don't start talking about your company and your product and your service until you've earned that right. Get to know what their situation is, what their pain points are, how their family is, what is their biggest need in their particular job, even if it doesn't relate to you or your product. That's genuine care for people. So be authentic. Number two, be empathetic. Get in the boat with them. 
paddle the same direction, understand what they need, understand how your product can fill the need, but more than anything, understand that there are gaps or they wouldn't be sitting down with you. There are gaps that can make their life easier. There are gaps that could make the end user a little bit more satisfied. So you could actually provide value if you would stop and listen long enough, be quiet long enough, do less talking, more listening, but get empathetic, understand fully, teach it back to them, repeat what they've told you so they get that you're invested, and then move forward with number three, be sold out for serving. Follow up when you say you're going to follow up, deliver on all your promises, plug in the solution. And it's not about because you want to close the deal. It's not about you getting the sale. Okay. It's not about you. Make them understand it was their decision. They bought, you did not sell. You're there as a resource, as a consultant, as a value add for them who's willing to listen, who's willing to empathize, who's willing to sell out on their behalf because you're in the boat with them. Guys, I don't know where that came from tonight. I have no idea. Literally 90 seconds before I hit record, that was what laid on my heart. I wrote the outline in about two seconds, and that's that's genuine. That's from the heart, so I'm actually doing practicing what I preach. Uh, genuine, authentic empathetic, sold out for serving. That's what I'm about. That's what comes natural. If it doesn't come natural to you, get in the mirror, figure some stuff out, reassess who you are, what you represent for your customers, for the people you're trying to influence, not just people you're selling to, but any relationship in your life. With that, be blessed. <laughs>